Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't own me. No one can tell you how to travel as you are. Orbitz wants to help you discover where you want to go, who you want to go with, and what you want to do when you get there. Visit orbits.com slash pride to book your next trip. Orbits. Travel as you are. So just let me be myself to say and do whatever I Hello, my name is Dave Hanready and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode 12 of the No Encore podcast. I'm not joined by Craig Fitzpatrick this week because um, he's just he's proven himself to be a very, very unreliable human being. But I am joined by Cullum O'Regan. Hey, how's it going? How are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. And uh, unreliable as he is, Craig has sent a message. Uh, <laughs> okay. Said, hey, answer to question no one asked. Which is the harshest nickname he's come up with so far, and I think quite telling that he doesn't want to be in the room when he delivers it. I'm really glad that he's committed to this bit, though. He's to be. I, I'm shocked every week. I expect him to forget about it, but he has one. Answer to a question that no one asked. Mm, it's harsh. It's a bit harsh. I can see. I can see the the argument in there, though. Um, but yeah, well, well, you know, fuck him. He's never coming back. He's off. He's off the pod. See ya. Um, why is he not here? He is at Brian Jonestown Massacre tonight. And he's been on a week of early to bed, early to rise situation. Yeah, he's gone with the risky two-hour nap plan. <laughs> oh, did he? Uh, before the gig today, yeah. Not a chance he, he, he goes to that gig. No way. No, yeah. No, no, he's or, he, or he just feels really kind of queasy throughout it, like you do when you go for a nap in the middle of the day. Um, and Anna Brian's Jones um, Massacre. I, I, I got their name wrong uh, somehow. I don't even know that much by them. Do, are you familiar? Not all that much. Craig's a big fan. Yeah. But his taste in music is generally quite questionable. He's just a weirdo. He's not very, you know, on point kind of fellow. Then again, you are the man who went to a second wrestling show in a fortnight. I did. I did, man. And and we're, and we're going to a wrestling show together in a fortnight or less yeah. than that, actually. It'll actually be the the week that this podcast comes out. I'm, I'm bringing, you that, bringing you along. Uh, yeah, I went to NXT, WWE's kind of developmental brand, their third touring brand 
in the three arena. This is like hipster wrestling. It is hipster wrestling. Um, oh, it's hipster wrestling to the point where like the lads from that OSW review show were actually sitting right behind myself. And a shout out to Richie McCormick, who uh, procured the tickets and ringside seats, by the way. Nice. Good man, Richie. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, the OSW review lads had to tell Richie to sit down at one point. They were taking it very seriously uh, at a house show. But, you know, I guess that's the, that's their whole thing. Yeah. Um, it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of back on the pro wrestling live train. It's a wonderful form of theatre. It's completely ridiculous and very enjoyable. Um, phenomenal just to see, um, like, Finn Balor, who is also known as Fergal Devitt, who was big in Japan and is now in WWE. He's the hometown hero. He's in the main event. Crowd went fucking apeshit for him, as you might imagine. And he, he's definitely a star. Like, you can always tell. You can tell when you're watching someone, whether it's wrestling or whether it's, you know, a movie or whatever. Yeah, someone has, it. Yeah, someone has star power. But more than him, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Japan legend, he was there, and I'm telling you, man, I just it, it was like, I, I've got goosebumps even just thinking about it right now. Uh, kid of Christmas. I, I was like a kid of Christmas. The, the guy, he's like a cross between uh, Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury. His charisma is out of control, and it's just amazing to watch him like do almost nothing, but still get that reaction and just have that presence. Uh Interestingly, on the last show, we were talking about uh, the football songs and how, like, every time Ireland does a football song, it's it always this trad thing. diddly eye bollocks. Craig actually dropped some uh, Gaelga on the last episode uh, at one point, I think. I listened back to the episode and I don't know what he said. So I'm going to have to try and track that down. But uh, apologies to any Gaelgores out there. But basically, uh, I was like, oh, if, if you ever have a Japanese wrestler in WWE, his music is invariably some kind of racist cliche from the 80s. Nakamura's music kind of skirts that line, but I think does it in a quite a compelling way. And it's, and it's a bit of a tune. And it sounds like this. Yeah, that was uh, The Rising Sun. <laughs> That's definitely not skirting the line of racial cliche. It's fun though, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I like it, I must say. I yeah. Uh, it was a, a very fun night out. My hangover the day after was particularly bad. Uh, I went to the cinema and had popcorn for breakfast at three in the afternoon. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving life. It's a breakfast of champions. And I'm going to another festival <laughs> after saying I was burned Why out. Why not? Why not? I'm going to Body and Soul. Uh, Body and Soul will be done and dusted by the time this episode comes out, and I hope I'm still with us. I hope uh, I'll be back for more. Uh, really looking forward to it. I hope it's not a washout. The lineup is fucking amazing. A lot of good stuff to talk about on the next episode, I I'm hope. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes. Yeah, so am I. As one, as one of the people who in- encouraged you to go. You did. I was going to say, I, I was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to go. I was like, free tickets, paid gig, don't think I'm going to go. And you were like, oh, I, I, I'd do it if it was me, mate. And I was like, you're going to come with, buddy? And you're like, no, no. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? I okay. need a bit of rest. Uh, probably just watch football, as I think everybody has spent uh, the week doing. Um, less dramatic than wrestling, I have to admit, or at least for the most part. Um, the Russia-England game did move a little bit towards the sports entertainment uh, sphere. They have some heels in that government, don't they? They really do. Some of the statements afterwards are absolutely outstanding. Carry on, lads. Keep going. But if we're looking for heels in government, uh, Nigel Farage yeah. has been up to his usual stuff in Britain. And boy, did he pick a fight with the wrong man. Because Sir Bob Geldof. 
now, intercepted him on a river. Now, okay, on the day of my hangover in question, I woke up, picked up the phone, went onto Twitter, started looking through all these tweets about Bob Geldof being on a boat, having some kind of weird debate, cross-boat debate with Nigel Farage, and I was like, I'm still asleep. There's no way this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Can you try and make sense of this just for my, my brain? I can't really make sense of it. I mean, I can just give you the facts, as it were. Like okay. that, that Farage was uh, leading a flotilla of fishing boats down the Thames. Uh, what, a, what, look, what a start. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know right? It's, it's a great opening line. But it was basically talking about uh, the fishing laws uh, within the EU and that they should be taking back British waters and have their full quota in territorial uh, in their territorial waters and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the Armada was greeted... Uh, by Bob Geldof, who is firmly in the Remain camp uh, when it comes to Brexit. So if I may ask a question at this point, this Farage stunt, knowledge of it was circulated beforehand? Or did Bob Geldof just go, just somehow have the power of clairvoyance and his own armada ready? Or was just out sailing? Yeah, no, 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 it was publicised before. Um, so, so yeah, it's so weird. So it was very much planned. And then, uh, yeah, Bob Geldof had a, a PA system... Uh, as it were, and uh, shouted out some some facts uh, about Britain's fishing industry, which y- I won't go into in any great depth. On oh, this please, music podcast. please do. Uh, I'm sure the listeners would really appreciate it. Well, that Britain makes more money than any other country in Europe for fishing. Okay, or that they have the second largest quota for fish in Europe, apart from Denmark. Suddenly, I'm regretting asking you to go into more information. We'll on skip the rest of it, but basically, it. it ends with a number four you are no fisherman's friend which sounds like something that a dithering old person says to a mint (laughs) Uh, did he ask anyone to give them their fucking money at any point no that didn't happen and indeed that was the first thing that Farage kind of seemed to mention that multi-millionaire Mr. Geldof has shown his absolute contempt for the men and women who've come here uh, who've come here from right across the UK asking demanding to be listened to um Bob Geldof be getting involved in a debate that he really shouldn't. He, uh, Bob Geldof uh, will get involved with things that he really shouldn't. For example, we were in Sweeney's one night. They seem to be, you know, may it rest in peace, Sweeney's of Dublin. And the Stripes were playing a midnight gig. And I was there on my fucking birthday. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be anywhere near there. Dragged there by the, you know, the masses. And there's Bob Geldof fucking playing with the Stripes. Uh, I, I think I saw it for about two seconds before I was like, that's it for me. The Stripes were delighted about it, though. It of course they said. were. Well, they would be, wouldn't they? Well, I don't know. It's their dad's record collection come to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of is their area, really, isn't yeah, it? Cullum almost had a, a laughing fit there. Yeah, almost. I, I just about held on. Almost, yeah. Well, I don't know. How does this one resolve itself, do you reckon? Cage match? I Fishing know. cage? like cra- Shark cage match. There you go. There we go. We've done it. Settled it. Next story. <laughs> uh, next story is quite different. Very different. Very different. Uh, like, how do you feel about this? Because you have a bit of a vested interest in this one. Vested interest is strong. <laughs> I don't own shares in Taylor Swift. What's, here, do you want to read out the headline that I wrote down for this one? Tom Hiddleston, the latest victim of the Taylor Swift death machine. Calvin Harris notably upset about it. That sums it up for me. To which my first note is just like, can you blame him? Well, okay. So for anyone who's living under a rock and doesn't know what's happening, Taylor Swift apparently has moved on from one hunky bow to another and is now uh, swaggering about town with James Bond hopeful Tom Hiddleston. Well, she's more swaggering around like, Cliffs and did you see shit. the photographs? Yeah, I did. I saw one person on Twitter liking those photographs to uh, 
uh, a man bringing his dying grandmother out to the to rocks to see the sea one last time because they just look so awkward. That seems a bit odd. I thought they looked quite nice. Maybe look, I'm just really innocent here. I don't know. They look staged as, as as anything as well. They do a little bit, but look, when you've got the combination of natural lighting and their good looks, it's going to look a little suspicious. But it's just like, I mean... <sighs> So yeah, okay. So no, look, I'm down. I mean, like they were they were filmed dancing together at the Met Gala a while back. While apparently, while apparently, she was still going out with Calvin Harris. Well, you know what? It's just dancing because that was six weeks ago. It's just dancing, but they clearly feel that connection. I guess. Um, but Calvin Harris has uh, unimpressed. He's got. He's lit up social media by unfollowing. Taylor Swift. And deleting all of the photos of themselves as a couple. And he also deleted his breakup tweet, which he said was very amicable, that she retweeted. And he's blocked Taylor Swift fan accounts from following him. He's just had a little bit of a hissy fit, really, hasn't he? A little bit. I mean, yeah, I think she's still following him. Yes, she is, yeah, yeah. Which I guess she's a kind and magnanimous person. Because I guess she, she she's the class act here then, is she? And that's why Calvin's so torn about losing her. Yeah, well... Listen, I once almost met Taylor Swift, and I was devastated when that didn't happen. So... When Calvin Harris, who probably thought he was going to marry the girl, uh, has to deal with that rejection, it, it's clearly tearing him up inside. Well, okay, uh, as the always accurate, always fair, always compassionate Daily Mail point out, uh, Tom is the latest name in a long list of Taylor's high-profile boyfriends, joining John Mayer, Harry Styles, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Calvin Harris. Now, there is a narrative associated with Taylor Swift, and as much as I think that she is genuinely a cyborg... um. I don't agree with people who are basically fucking like, quote unquote or like almost like slut shaming her. For example, it's like woman has a string of boyfriends. Yeah. Fine. Like like why is like why is that an issue? For she's people? in her late twenties. I mean, if she she late she'd be worried. Oh, I, thought, I thought she was in her, her early to mid twenties because she just you know seems to like like I say cyborg just doesn't seem to age. Man, I'm I'm actually I, I'm serious on this one. I think I think Taylor Swift is. We're gonna look back in about ten years and we're gonna go, yep, T one thousand walked among us. And took the form of a multi-million selling pop star. You see, here's the thing though, Dave, and I'm guessing, are you unfamiliar with her teenage country years? Yes. Yeah, you see, if you, if you got used to that a little bit more, there has been a transition in the career. Maybe the robots concept. are so advanced now that they can actually age. They're becoming it. sentient. Like. Yeah, it's like Blade Runner. Like, they hit a certain point, and then that's it. Yeah. So, you know, she presumably she'll, you know, go out on a rooftop in the rain with a dove in her hand with a great speech. I think I'm going to stick firmly in the uh, Taylor Swift is not a cyborg camp. You're a fan, yeah. As I say, I don't agree with people who are like who are like you know trying to shame the woman for having a life. I, I don't I don't agree with that whatsoever. Um, but I do cast cynicism on this. I do think it's a publicity stunt that serves both of them incredibly well. Keeps her name out there. Keeps his name out there when he's trying to boost his profile to be James Bond and all that kind of stuff. Maybe they are in love. I wish them well. But one can't help but look at end that Taylor Swift does with a massive slice of cynicism. Um, that's me. Yeah. And I, and I won't change. Not for you. <laughs> Not for anybody. You never will. No, I won't. Um, but, like, she's a contentious soul. I think we can agree. Yeah. Some people, uh, some very, very famous people, more famous than you and I will probably ever be, probably, uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, Kanye. are enemies, it would appear now. Proper, full-blown enemies these days. Rather than... Frenemies. Yeah, which was kind of, you know, like there, there's been a bit of a saga. We all know how it began and award shows. I'm going to let you finish, Dave. I'm going to let you finish. But okay. That was the best introduction to a story I've ever heard. Go on. Thanks, man. 
but someone else sh- should have done the introduction because they're yeah. technically put more money. Craig should it. really be here. Yeah, Craig should be here, but you know, because he 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 spent a million dollars in his introduction. But so Kim Kardashian has done an interview with GQ magazine. Um, Katie Weaver is the name of the journalist. I believe she's the same journalist who interviewed Justin Bieber in a equally long form and quite fascinating read um, about four months ago or so. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's the most fascinating read where he says nothing at all. Yes. It's spectacular. Oh, like, Katie Weaver is a proper fucking writer. Um, Like, it's always compelling to read a long form piece like that in which the quotes are quite sparse and don't even tell you that much about it, but the the writer manages to frame a narrative around them without taking the piss too much. And she does take the piss out of Bieber a bit too much. He kind of almost... He serves up so many, like, it's low-hanging fruit, really. But, like, the thing about the monkey is fucking hilarious. Go read it. Um, the Kim Kardashian interview, which went out today, a time of reading, Thursday, is genuinely very interesting. Um, I'm, I'd be of the opinion that Kim Kardashian is not a war criminal. I think a lot of people, you know, think that she is. A lot of people, like, will flagrantly, like, if, when, when, a, when a beloved famous person passes away, like Prince and Bowie um, and Alan Rickman, you will invariably have some shit fucking meme doing the rounds of like, why couldn't it have been these three people? And it's like Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, and I don't know, Robert fucking Pattinson or something. Like someone who people who don't like. Sure. Um, and I don't agree with the flack that she gets either. And I don't agree with the fact that she gets either for also having a sex life. I, I just think it's bollocks. I think, you know, the Kardashians, yeah, Kim Kardashian and her family um, are going to continue to make more money than we're ever going to see. Mm-hmm. They probably have a fucking Scrooge McDuck bank vault full of cash. But there are people out there who enable this, who've given them their lifestyle. Of course. And they're the problem, if you ask me. Like, I think they're a bigger issue than the actual Kardashians who yeah. are just making hay while the sun shines. And I find Kim Kardashian to be quite a fascinating figure. And I think that she does have a lot to say. Incidentally, um, I noticed that some people were very critical of Taylor Swift being quite quiet over the whole uh, Orlando, the horrible, horrific hate crime that happened. No, I know. I will, yeah. just, just wait. Um, the, the horrific hate crime that happened um, at the time of coming out of this episode now will be about two weeks ago. And Kim Kardashian was very vocal about, you know, reform and, uh, you know, uh, sending out her well wishes in the aftermath of a truly, truly horrific event. And I think Taylor Swift stayed completely silent. Now, granted, you might say that that's totally unfair to go after someone for saying simply nothing. But apparently Taylor Swift has form for just kind of only promoting herself. Whereas I think Kim Kardashian showed a little bit of heart and people were a bit encouraged by that. I mean, I don't think that anybody in the world of celebrity can kind of have a go at somebody else for sort of like managing their brand or whatever you want to say. Sure, that's fair. Um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty disingenuous. True, and especially in this particular war, which can, which you know is about A-listers who are incredibly good at promoting themselves. Long story short, uh, it comes up in the interview, the whole f- uh, fiasco, I suppose, that surrounded Kanye West's famous, in which he famously name-drops Taylor Swift and calls mm-hmm. her a bitch and says that he thinks one day they'll still have sex. And there's been a lot of back and forth from both camps there in which uh, Kanye West has said that, no, no, she knew about the lyric ahead of time. I rang her up and I got her approval. Her camp said, no, you yeah. didn't. Uh, we told you not to use it. We told you not to say that. We didn't know that you were going to use the word bitch. Uh, we, we believe that the song was misogynistic and we didn't want anything to do with it. She won a Grammy, I think, the night after it was released or something and gave a big speech, which was clearly directed at him. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim Kardashian has doubled down in this interview. 
and she has said flat out that no no she totally approved it um i have video footage of me on the phone to her for an hour because we're videoing everything around the making of this album for a documentary or something oh, of course they are yep <laughs> and uh, uh kim insists that she totally gave the okay rick rubin was in the room so many respected people in the music business heard the conversation and knew uh she says kanye has called me a bitch in his songs and that's just like what they say uh, i never once think what a derogatory word how dare he not in a million years i don't know why she just flipped out um it was funny because taylor apparently said when i get on the grammy red carpet all i mean is gonna think i'm so against this and i'll just laugh and say jokes on you guys i was in it the whole time and then obviously the grammy speech went the other way um she's then asked have they been in touch since kim says no an attorney's letter though said that don't let that footage ever come out of me saying that destroy it since the interview has gone live, there has been an update. Um, a statement was released by Taylor Swift's camp, once again, flat out completely denying all of this. So, quite the game of he said, she said here. Yeah, I mean, in the greater scheme of things, you've got to think it's so inconsequential that it should blow over. But then again, just the fascination with the characters involved means that people are always going to drag it out. I mean, at the end of the day, like... You know, that sort of faux burying the hatchet thing or whatever we seemed to see. I I didn't really buy it in the first place. It always seemed to be that sort of, oh, yes, darling, let's do lunch sort of shite. <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me entirely that, you know, it's gone pear-shaped again. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy for it to stay that way. My, my Kanye and Taylor Swift spheres do not need to cross. Do you have separate spheres in your house that are dedicated to each person? It's like it shrines like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like like different corners of the room are arranged in different ways. I'm going to need to move to a bigger house. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, look, if you get to move to a bigger house at the end of all this, well, then everyone wins. The, everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. Harry Styles is a bit of a winner, apparently. Uh, famously once squared Taylor Swift around Yeah, fair play to him. He's, uh, he's embarking on a bit of a film career these days. <sighs> He's been that. he's been cast in a Christopher Nolan film, which means that he'll get to be in a film that's about three hours long mm-hmm. and takes a very long time to make its point and could use a lot of editing. What's the point? He's also been tapped, or at least apparently, uh, to play Mick Jagger. I can see it. Yeah, so can I. I can see the physical uh, resemblance, absolutely. He clearly has singing and dancing chops. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? But, of course, Rolling Stones fans, and this is a rumour, by the way, this is probably mm-hmm. complete bollocks, but people are like, this is an outrage. Who would you cast instead? No, I th- I think he's a pretty solid choice, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Although, then again, yeah, I've no idea if he can act or not. No, and we'll find out when he appears in Christopher Nolan's war movie for about five minutes before getting shot in the head or something. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the film is set to be directed by a Denton Abbey director based on a book um, about the summer that the band spent recording Exile on Main Street. Uh, it's not officially confirmed, as we say, whether Stiles will play him or not. Um, and they're saying, oh, the rumor's meant to be true, you better brace himself for the wrath of Rolling Stones fans. I kind of feel like, who would give a shit, really? Yeah, as well, Rolling Stones fans. What are they going to do? Mean, but by the time they get their walking frame <laughs> and, you know, pack a few Werther's originals for the long walk towards, the, like, Telegram or whatever they use to communicate. I feel, I, I feel that you're, you're making a strange point here. Rolling Stones are really old. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Okay. Um, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, they still have the odd... The odd gem in them. They had a great song a couple of years ago. Did they? Yeah, Doom and Gloom. It was it was really, really good. Oh man. Here, let me remind you, it sounds like this. Wow. 
also, you know, lots of yeah, <laughs> radical new direction. Um, it's a fun tune, though, especially like, come on, like, like, look, look, look what the Stone Roses are putting out lately, and versus that, that's better. This is true. I haven't been massively moved by the Stone Roses stuff in any way. But, no, uh, everyone's going on about how that second single is really, really good. It's not. It's not, but it's a lot better than the first one was. Uh, really interestingly, though, they have played the, their uh, first comeback gigs in Manchester, at the Etihad and, Stadium. Yeah, and and the reviews, you know, have actually been quite positive. Uh, most notably, the fact that whether it's quitting cigarettes or just taking more care of himself in general, whatever. Um, Ian Brown's voice has somewhat returned to normal. I gave a listen to uh, his famous, you know, F-E-A-R. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. Yeah. No, uh, not a fan? It's all right. It's okay. I think it's really good. I, I mean, think- you know what? Again, like, and we just, we, we've discussed this quite <laughs> a few times on the show. I, I hate I do, things where someone has come up with a concept and then realizes kind of, you know, 50% of the way through that they've just ran out of material to stay with this concept. Do you think that it doesn't sustain over the course of the song? Or yeah. I thought it was meant to be like a whole record of that kind of song. No, 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 no. But the whole song. Right. Like the idea of the F-E-A-R thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he had like, you know, for each their own, for every man of religion. That's that's good. That's clever. Yes. And then there's just lines that are just garbage. <laughs> they, they're just like, like he's sitting in studio going, eh, ah, fella. Find us a word that ends with ah, will it? You know, it's just, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, man, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that particular session. In which Ian Brown became a character of himself. But what can you do? Um, How do you feel about, you know, There Goes the Fear by Doves versus that song by Ian Brown? What would win for you? I I, I might actually go for Ian Brown there. Like, I I like that tune. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's not amazing. Doves weren't bad either. But it's all right. It's In all right. In terms of what we've been listening to this week, though, and I was particularly excited uh, to hear uh, a comeback from Two Door Cinema Club. Uh, it's called Are You Ready? And it sounds like this. Slightly let down. I'm not ready. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. In fact, it's more like the parenthesis wreck. Yeah, um, they've gone full folds here. I think um, it, there's a bit too much calypso shit going on for me as well. They've never been a man that really impressed me, though. You are a fan. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan, especially that first album. I thought was superb. Second album, it's kind of hit or miss. They tried to go for what I guess would be a more substantive approach. Um, it was just a few hooks that kind of got it through and got it over the line. There's a few belters of songs on it, but it's more patchy than the first record. And this, I hope, isn't uh, fully a sign of what's to come because it's really not great. The album's called Game Show, mm-hmm. which is a pretty bad album title. Um, I'm always curious when the the big comeback single turns out to be a bit of a damn squib. Because we kind of live in a time now where it does it really matter. I mean, like, you know, you can release four singles before you've released your album, uh, perhaps more. And, you know, if the second one 
or the third one hits, well then, whatever. I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't know if, I don't know how much currency a big class, amazing comeback single needs to be anymore. And that's why I wonder, because sometimes you get ones that sound kind of like album tracks, and this one's not far off that. It yeah, has I, its hooks, but it's a bit in the middle. I agree. And the one thing that kind of stands out about it to me is that it it sounds like it's targeting summer play. It sounds like it's targeting festival ads. Yeah, or kind of you know that indie disco middle ground, as it were. So there's a good chance that you're not going to get twelve or fourteen tracks of that on the finished product. Uh, at least I'm clinging to that hope because uh, for an album that I've been looking forward to. That would be a letdown. Do we know much about the records? Like, is there any kind of fun information out there about it? Because like, they've been gone for quite a while. Yeah, they have. Uh, no, not an awful Like, when you saw them recently, it's like you said that they just played the hits. They yeah, they played zero new did they songs. Even, did they, they didn't even play this? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I believe, I mean, like, it was to 500 people, and it was very much kind of like a small little party, as it were, kind of like... Preaching to the converted. Yeah. Do you think that they're a band that just simply don't have much to say? No, I disagree. I think they probably get caught trying to be a little too much to all men, as it were. Like, they're trying to spread themselves across, and it ends up going a little bit thin. I think that's why their first album is so good, because it's incredibly focused. It's incredibly brief, quite frankly. There's not a pick of fat on that record. Like, there's barely a middle eight or a repeated chorus that you could take out. And uh, I think that's where they were at their best. Um, you know, by all means, they have the right to try to expand and try to try to find new areas in which they can explore. But as long as they nail it, and on this track, they certainly haven't. True enough. Uh, what's up next? Uh, we've got a new one from Danny Brown. It's called When It Rains. When it back, go dangerous, on that cat. Go tracks, man, hit it from the back. These ass hot, bitch, slap me back. Bruce, every day we run that train. Put that bag in her cup, boats. Only way I hang is wet, I know. Be wet, I say, ain't no tropes. Y'all niggas like, y'all ain't like that. Hang up with a double off, ain't your dust. For that money, ain't that we trust. I'll go pick up for greed and lust. When you put the trust, when guns gon' bust. Loving every day like it's the end. Just waking up, feeling like a sin. Gotta keep an eye on all your friends. Cause everybody hungry, ain't no streets. Nigga, rub your grandma for something that ain't. No, it's fucked up. That's how I mean. Growing up, living every day in a day. And it don't seem like shit, go change. No time to in the city of bone. Don't put the time we emerge on the road. So that coach, just we got sound. Here we go, now here we go. Ain't no water, how far we gon' grow. Ain't no change, then how we gon' change. No umbrella, we stuck in the rain. Dark lines hanging all over our head. No shine shine and no shine be lit. Like no squares and no dots be red. Make your best friend dead shot in the head. Jack, Jack. Oh, your way know that. When it rain, when it pour, get your ass on the floor now. Oh, your way know that. Get back when you hear them gunshots go off. Pop off and no shots go off. Knock off, you try to play me soft. Glock sign on your face, dog. No baseball. Better run home. Hit the line, blood on your tongue. Exorcist, show your head, get spot. Exorcist, I might forget. Bitch, when it's time for your West be dope. You ain't hard like this before. They don't do it like this no more. They get on that. They get on that. They get on that. Fuck on the flop. That's a Danny Brown song, isn't it? That is Danny Brown. I, I think this is great. I think this is excellent. Yeah, no, I mean, I like Danny Brown, but like, it's just a fucking Danny Brown song. Oh yeah, isn't try it? yeah, try and categorize him. You know, like go go right ahead. You can't really do it. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of hip hop in there, but this sounds like someone took a hip hop song and like put a Nine Inch Nails remix on it, and then decided to slow that down by a bunch of BPM while also pouring water on the hard drive while it was being put together. It's 
crazy. Yep. It's very fucking different. And it's what he does best, isn't it's it? It's pretty ominous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, he's he's very interesting character. And this song is... Craig once taught him how to use a kettle. I love that. I wish Craig yeah. was here to tell that story. Yeah, I think Craig was really like, you know, he quite likes Donnie Brown. I don't think he was starstruck or anything, but he was very much like, I really want this to be a good interview. Apparently he's a bit prickly. Uh, who knows what kind of mood he might be in. I think other journalists who interviewed him that they didn't get on so well because they didn't get to show him how to use an appliance. But Craig showed him how to use a kettle. That's and something that all was good. That's something that you can, you, you just cannot take away from the man. No, absolutely not. You, you can take that to the <laughs> bank. Uh, but yeah, When It Rain is, yeah, it's an angry song. Um, the you don't I don't think you have to read too far between the lines to see the lyrics are about you know a very big societal disharmony and violence. That's kind of what Danny Brown gets across quite well. Mm-hmm. Feels like a bit of a sermon from him. Um, it's just very arresting and very very effective. The first time I heard it, I thought, yeah, this is this is this is doing what I wanted to do. This yeah. is kind of like you know, um, it's kind of like an even angrier kind of stranger version of a Saul Williams song, perhaps. Yeah, and um, and that's when Danny Brown is at his best. In fairness, is when he has a bit of that pent up energy coming out. Absolutely. And um, another guy actually who corners that side of things pretty well is Vince Staples. Uh, he contributed to another track this week. It's called All Night. Woke up in another man's main bitch. Phone jumping at the gym from the gang slide. To the north side, every day same shit. Trying to make it in the world mind. Long Beach on the map because the cold chain. Back like the city never left. It's a strong rain. Banging when the only niggas booming was the cold flames. Funny I'm the only nigga with a no name. Hard they really want to gun me down. Good luck with that. Still gon' slide in the same ride around my town. Still got that Mac. That's done with Clams Casino. Um, two and a half minutes, two like just kind of like under three minute job in and out. Really impressive. Uh, I I'm a big fan of this one too. Are you? Yeah, I quite liked it actually. I really, really, really liked uh, Summertime Six. Vince Staples. Excellent, album excellent album. Yeah, he's, superb. He's a very like I keep using the word interesting. It's the word of the day, but he's fascinating. Um, like this song opens up with a lyric where he basically says, uh, "What well, woke up in another guy's main bitch," and you're like, "Okay, like how are you gonna get away with that?" And he <laughs> and he does. And then you read his Guardian interview from last year, in which he talks about how he used to be uh, in gangs, genuine gangbanger. Yeah. And like, keep in mind that he's only 22 now, I believe. So he was in gangs, very fucking violent and dangerous gangs. And in the interview, he's incredibly straight up about it and says, I joined a gang because I wanted to kill people. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think he has killed anybody because I presume that if that was out there in an interview thrown out in a brash fashion, he'd probably be in a prison cell right now. But he talks about his life and it's uh, thankfully, it sounds like one far removed from the ones that you and I live. Rather, He doesn't come across as someone who was, you know, posing and trying to be cool, posturing. You read it, and he comes across as a very intelligent guy who clearly has a lot of anger issues and a lot of um, pent-up emotion, which he's thankfully managed to channel into making very, very interesting music. Summertime 06, I thought was one of the best records of last year. There's some incredible stuff on there. And it all draws on this real life that he's lived, which sounds fucking harrowing. Yeah, but like you say as well, I think he's intelligent enough to know that sort of prism through which he can tell these stories and through which he can sort sort of reflect that. It's not just 
misdirected or undirected fury or anything. It's it it's very intelligent, very focused. Yeah, there's and, um, the, 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 there's a spiky charm to him as well. Yeah, and I think a track like this brings that out completely. Like this is this is you know it's it's a fun track despite some of the fucking lyrics that are in yeah. there and just how kind of like brash it is. But yeah, I mean like he's. He's absolutely one to watch. I say that, but that's almost to you know, kind of dismiss what he's done already. Like, I mean, yeah. Summertime 06, as we say, for anyone who hasn't heard that, double record. And, like, a double record for your debut, it shouldn't be done. It's a big move, yeah. <laughs> but it's really, really strong. It's fantastic. And he's actually, I think he's playing support to Disclosure. He is, which is I'm disappointing because really I'd much rather catch him at a headline show in, like, Vicar Street or something. And I'm sure those days will come. Yeah. But, yeah, he's going to be around the corner from my gaff, and I'm going to be like, ah, I don't know if I can be bothered with, with a Disclosure gig just to see him. In, in the RHK, but yeah, uh, I feel like he's going to be around for some time to come, and I find him very, very intriguing. Somehow forward. still around is <laughs> another man on this list. Well, you say that, but people are people are big fans of this guy. Of Usher. Usher. He sounds like this. Go right up on the road. Make you say, uh, no limit. Got that masterpiece. No limit, baby. Can you get that black car? No limit. Just know when you roll with a nigga like me, there's no limit, baby. Make you say, uh, no limit. I see murder, murder that. No limit, baby. Give you that ghetto D, girl. No limit. Just know when you roll with a nigga like me, there's no limit, baby. You know you fine, baby. You know that you fine. I'm just trying to make you mine. Try to make you mine. Yeah, I'm trying to make you mine. Put a tingle in your spine. We got a vibe. We got a way. You should ride on it. All of the places I can take. You got is limitless. So if you never- That's no limit. It's Usher and Young Thug. Um, it's not a co- cover of the popular 1992 dance classic by Two Unlimited. Two Unlimited. What, what a tune that would be. Um, what an awful tune that yeah, would be. Yeah, I mean, this is grand. Mm-hmm. It's fine. There's very little groundbreaking about it. It's a summer breeze. It makes me wonder why. And like, if if memory serves, Usher brought out a track kind of six nine months ago. It was a title interactive thing. <laughs> You've lost me already. G- genuinely, I, I I think it was Usher anyway. And and basically how it worked is that it showed the eyes, like a close up of the face of young African American people in the U.S. And you had to look at the screen in order for the track to play. It had, oh, like it, that, used, sounds, it used that your, does sound interesting. And it used your webcam to tell when you looked away at which point the track would stop. That does sound good, actually. Yeah, and it's genuinely interesting. And you're kind of thinking that, you know, as much as I kind of make fun and say, like, you know, he's still here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after sort of two decades or whatever it is, those are the sort of things that might kind of drive that creativity forward. That might mean that you have something still interesting to say. Well, Climax, this, the song Climax came out a few years ago and people raved about that one. And obviously, you know, he had Yeah with Lil John. I know it's about like fucking 11 years ago now or so. But like, I think he's the kind of artist who can make a big song here and there or a big statement. I, I, but I, I, and keep him, you know, relevant, keep him in the game. I don't think that this song is even meant to be doing that at all. I think this song is just like, this will do. Yeah. And yeah, it'll do for now. Young Thug is good in it and then we're pretty fine. But we got one last song. Yeah, which is just noise. Uh, it, <laughs> this is Norma Jean and it's one million watts. It sounds like this. Yeah! 
So that was Norma Jean. Uh, you're not a fan. Metalcore, no? Not into it? No, it's... Uh, I would far rather candle in the wind. Jesus Christ. And that mention of Norma Jean. Well, the reason I, I include this week is uh, Kev from Red Enemy uh, put this my way. And, it, it, yeah, I like it a lot. I, li- I, I think it's saying... The singer sounds quite a lot like Chino Marino. I think it sounds better than uh, the entire last Eptons album, which I find very disappointing. Gore. And, uh, yeah, I'm on board. This This podcast needs more metal action, no? Does it? No. Can we just do it in the post? Okay, well, look, um, I'm going to take a quick break from the studio now to, to, to bring our guests in. Do you, you? We mentioned title there, John. Do, do you want to give the, the listeners an update on Craig's whole title situation? Or? Well, yeah, the, the quite tragic news is that Craig has cancelled his title subscription. It's proven tough for all of us to take, I feel, especially with a Jay-Z album possibly impending. But uh, yeah, Craig must have set a reminder, written notes around his house, done something to finally stop um, forgetting to cancel his running subscription. And uh, yeah, now his his high-def enjoyment is no more. Uh, Hi, Alan here. Uh, Dave just ran out of the studio there and left Colm talking, hoping that Colm would be able to just continuously talk non-stop forever. Uh, that wasn't the case, and uh, Colm eventually ran out of things to say. Um, so then he, uh, he he was very enterprising and tried to introduce our ad. Um, so I, I'll just pop in here and say that we're very happy that Bunsen are now sponsoring us. So I'm just going to do like a full minute of nothing, and then Colm says this. Sorry, Dave, I didn't expect Dave to run out of the studio there. I've got absolutely nothing to say. Um, maybe I'll just, I'll just give you one of these, Um. And we'll be back after a quick word from our sponsors. So that's that was that. And here's the word from our sponsor. And then we'll be back with Dave. This podcast is sponsored by Bunsen. So I talked to people coming out of Bunsen and Temple Bar and asked one simple question. How was your burger? Splendid. Beautiful. It was great. Oh, it was lovely. Like, I don't have to say it. Like, absolutely lovely. Yeah, it was really nice. Really tasty. <laughs> it was much really good. I like it. It was great. Excellent. And they were amazing. I liked them. Uh, yeah, it was lovely. Delicious. Really, really tasty. It's very tasty. It was the best thing I've ever had. Get the best thing you've ever had at Bunsen and Temple Bar on South Ann Street or on Wexford Street. Okay, we're back. That was an ad. I think Cullum did a great job in putting that ad together. Thanks. And by together, I mean introing it. You know, you yeah, didn't... I really didn't have anything to do with making the ad. Are you sure? Or the burgers. Okay, well, I'm, that's probably for the best. Uh, we are joined in the studio by Bitch Falcon. Yay! Yay! We do a round of applause to people. So, uh, Bitch Falcon have also very kindly brought donuts. They have. So if there's chewing <laughs> coming that. through the mics occasionally, that explains it. How are you guys doing? Great after the donuts. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know you guys, just like Dave, are, are warming up for body and soul. We are. Yes, in this hot, hot podcast booth. <laughs> yeah. Body and soul. That was which, surprisingly uh, erotic, to be perfectly honest. Well, not it. surprising. It was on purpose. <laughs> Body and soul, which, uh, which will have happened by the time this podcast comes out. So, so how did it go? <laughs> it was amazing. I'm a new person. I, I proposed to somebody uh, during an interview. It was great. That's not going to make any sense because we talked about that off mic. I didn't actually propose to anybody. If my parents are listening to this, I'm not engaged to anybody. Don't worry. <laughs> But they're not listening. These are always the dangers, really, isn't it? No no one's listening, Dave. No No one's listening. It's like speaking into a black abyss. That was actually the original title for the podcast. (laughs) It's obviously you guys kind of coming out party for this year, I guess. You've been hidden away a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think um, Naomi paused there. Is that like, what? I'm not gay. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, yeah, there's a coming out party. Coming out of the closet of riffs. 
Yeah. Uh, we've just Musical been writing closet. for a Yeah. Um, I'm going back into the closet myself um, because of the yes vote. Sure, in and out but, all the um, time, was he? <laughs> sure, look. Just make your mind <laughs> sure. up. Come on. Look. I'm anyone's soon. business. You'll need to figure it out by then. Oh, Jesus. I know, we're doing two sessions by then, so it's grand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll grand. be back out by then. I'll be straight by then. Are you yeah. going to be very busy for the rest of the summer? Yes, we're doing a lot of festivals at the moment. We have uh, Music City mm-hmm. in Derry. Haven't played there yet. We played at Belfast, so it'd be nice to get somewhere else in the north. Mm-hmm. And Independence are playing. And yeah, we're still discussing Electric Picnic. Yes. And a couple of other things that we that are not announced yet. This is the uh, the travelling Bitch Falcon Circus wrestling show that we've been kind of laying the rumours yep. for. It's yep. about time, quite frankly. Yeah, no. I kind of feel like it needs to happen. Uh, we're actually, we're actually going to be at a wrestling show on the Night of Pride, I believe, Colin. Yeah, we that's, are. That's a word in. Oh, mm. in Tivoli. Yep. Oh, they're so, so oh, great. So is, it good? is it Pride themed? Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I wish it was there. <laughs> oh, they're so good. We'll they're have class. to Skype you in, Lizzie. Oh, I, I have a walk. Those wrestling nights are the best. I only went for the first time uh, about a month ago, and it was it changed my life. I went to uh, a rising version, and <laughs> it was brilliant. Like, you could get all your horrible prejudice out in one night. And the English people were brilliant. They were such brilliant villains. Yeah. They kept like saying like horrible stuff that the Irish like, you know, really don't want to hear. And they're like going around like prancy, like English, like <laughs> Garrett. And so like, ooh, queen and stuff like that. It was brilliant. Like they were like the best villains I've ever seen. And like, you know, it was all horrible, horrible shouting. Well, like, by you, the sounds of Gareth and Queen, we might well be seeing them return on the 25th. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, if yeah. If questions or anything to go by. Mm. Yeah, like their main bad guys are basically from Northern Ireland. That's their entire gimmick. Yeah. That's why they're evil. Because <laughs> yeah. they have like British flags and everyone's like fucking, you're yeah. like, is this going to boil over into real problems? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do people understand that? I think they do. I think we're actually I mean, all right. Yeah, it's all in good fun. Like. Yeah. yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's quite the melting pot. Um, much like this podcast here, which is absolutely roasting. <laughs> mm. So yeah. what have you guys been up to in the past little while then? You've been writing, recording? What's the story? Um, well, we kind of, we finished up last year um, with two uh, deadly little gigs in Vicar Street. And then we had we'd known, obviously, that we were going to be uh, playing in June at Body and Soul. So we had like a good, let's say, four months to write stuff, record it. And then practice it for uh, festivals. And that's pretty much what we did from January to March. And we started the the first recording on in April. Was it April? Was it that? Or was it March? April. It was April. Yeah. Yeah. So we did two days, uh, one in Orphan and one in Asylum Studios. And uh, we did two songs in there, and one of them is out this week, and it's called Clutch. And it sounds like this. Steadily, slowly revealing, I, I am depleting.
That was Clutch by Bitch Falcon. I like how they sang along in studio as well. It really added to the moment. It was a live take. Um, Yeah, that was all live. All live. All All live. All acoustic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, people have been reacting quite well to it, as you might expect, because it's a bit of a belter. Um, was it? You said you recorded two songs, so was there any kind of oh, which one will we pick, or did you know straight away that was the one to go with? I think we wanted a really strong opener back out there. We wanted to really put something out that was really strong. I think um, the other song is 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 strong as well, but it's a bit more slower. Mm. So I think we kind of want to come back with a bang. So it was it's funny easy. as well. I saw you guys on on social media, kind of mentioning you know. Oh, this is the sort of song it takes 15 listens to get into or whatever. Whereas, I mean, in reality, it's the exact opposite. Do you, do you really consciously think like, right, if we had 20, 30 seconds to grab a listener's attention, we're going to do it this way or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Heavily edited podcast. Yeah. yeah. Alan loves a good edit, though. Yeah, we appear to have attempted fate there. I guess, are we back in? Well, it's recording. Let's, let's be back in. Um... Cullen, what just happened? There was a lightning bolt hit the studio. Bit of a technical difficulty, yes. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a technical difficulty. Gremlins, apparently. Yeah. We had a nice chat, though. Technical Pity technology. you guys can't hear it. Yeah, we talked about it's things private. That, that will never be repeated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, okay, well, uh, just to try and, try and drag this back into some, some form, we were talking about arts funding and basically the realities of being in a, in a, in a full-time band with full-time jobs and it's essentially you were saying that it's kind of gotten a lot more difficult because you're trying to make the band be in a certain place while also living your day-to-day life. I mean, I can only presume uh, based on what the, the material that we're kind of hearing at the moment a song like Clutch saying, doesn't sound like you've lost any of your fire so I guess hopefully that was never a consideration I presume like you're still kind of like this is our priority, this is our number one thing and this is what we want more than anything else. Oh yeah, we are still on fire. <laughs> very much on yeah. fire our it's, brains are on fire also yeah it's it is growing and growing and growing like i guess it's a good thing in a way but over the past year probably more than a year there were so many times where we went right this is it we are not taking any more gigs until we take you know until we write three more tunes and it just kept happening that gigs kept popping up and we'd keep starting kind of a quiet phase and then some irresistible gig would pop its head up and so it, it's kind of built up uh, a kind of a nice backlog, I suppose, of writing. So as well as the few kind of finished new tunes, there's plenty beginnings of new tunes as well that are going to hopefully get explored between between festivals over the summer as well and, and keep going that way. Is that a very easy thing to do just to kind of, like you say, if you've planned on writing for a bit, mm. to say, oh, no, this is the gig that we need to drop everything for because... It's just something that's very interesting when bands are even talking about, you know, starting out and like maybe playing free gigs or playing support gigs and stuff like that. There's very much a plus and minus pro and con that you Mm -hmm. do have to sort of play up in your mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And it's it's not easy. There's been some some really tasty, sexy, delish gigs that we have had to say no to. And it's been a horrible situation doing so. Um, But that's that's where you go right and go wrong i suppose there's been gigs where like directly afterwards we've kind of said okay all right it was really worth it to do this um even whether it was a gamble on getting paid or not whether it was a gamble on sacrificing a few weeks writing to practice for said gig it's um it's all all a learning curve well, I mean, that's another thing. It's like uh, I was saw a video that you were in. That sounds really ominous. You're in a video, Nigel, but uh, you were part I'm of on the uh, <laughs> you were part of a music makers kind of drummer series recently. Oh yeah, alongside uh, the wonderful, wonderful Oshin Trench. 
and I kind of saw you were like, oh, this is great to sit down with like one of my favorite drummers. Yeah. And I, I, I saw the teaser of that before, and I was like, oh, who's he been talking to? I was like, it must be like some giant name. And I was like, oh, it's Oshin. And I was like, <laughs> no respect to Oshin. Oshin's amazing. But I was like, and I watched him, and I was like, yeah, this is this is interesting. Especially when uh, Ireland scored against Sweden in the middle in of the, the video. Of it, yeah. That must have really thrown you. And then Oshin was like, oh, we better see who scored. And I was like, Oshin, there isn't like 10,000 people, <laughs> Swedish people outside going fucking nuts at the moment. I'm pretty sure Zlatan fucking put it in the back of the net. Like, <laughs> And he was like, no, no, we better check. We better check. We're just like, what the fuck? There's an amazing uh, smash cut edit uh, <laughs> of him after after getting the information of him just like with his hands in the air going, it was Wesula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, just yeah. say forth, every baby conceived in that moment must be called Absolutely. Wes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, we watched that game and I believed again for all of about 10 minutes it's the hope that kills you it really yeah, well, look, we scored the most goals in that match that's true yeah we scored uh, we, uh, at the uh, at the wrestling show I was at the uh, the following day one of the one of the bad guys healed it up on the crowd by saying he was like oh he was, he was like I was in a really bad mood yesterday it wasn't enjoying my day and then it was fine because Sweden scored and then the crowd obviously started booing him like crazy and then uh, he goes well, no, no, I must correct myself Sweden didn't score. Ireland scored for Sweden. <laughs> we're just that sound. Yeah, we're that good at it. Hell of a header from Kieran Clark, though. Like, I, 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 I can joke about it now. Put it know? away nicely. He did. He, yeah, he, he really, uh, he was very, very brave. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But no, for for ten whole minutes, I, 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 I think I even sang. I think I even sang Ole Ole at one point. I saw David <laughs> sing Ole Ole. It is the most unusual <laughs> event ever, really. If anyone knows him, I nearly teared up at Aaron Ravine, and then I got angry that no one, hardly any of them knew it. Yeah, that'll happen. But they're all English, yeah, aren't they? Important English. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been a problem we've had since uh, Jack Charlton, I think, isn't and then it? Robbie Keane on pills. Did you see that? Did you see his face? He's like. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this in the car but look like maybe you can hear my eyes just like widening <laughs> like he was just like these pills are shite like I'm pretty sure they're good Robbie you look, you look <laughs> smashing right now <laughs> he's trying to get the guy's attention to Chris it has to be ball. asked actually what time are you guys playing this weekend Oh, 7. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Okay, perhaps. Very, very importantly, is it 6.55 or is it 7? We don't know. It could be 6.55. 6.55. Yeah. Have you been five minutes late for a gig before? No. It would be a bad five minutes to be late for. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. The first one you know, is a good one. Saying. That's very strict. Possible strict, pyrotechnics. Strict timetabling. Just saying. And Stage manager is going to whip us into shape. Yeah, and it's. I think it's at a half an hour on the Body and Soul website, but it's actually for 50 minutes. 50 minutes. Well, yeah, so... so do they know that? Or are people oh, they do, yeah. No, some other band going to be standing to the side being like, what the fuck? No, we just start oh, five that's if, we, if that's if we go for an hour, then there will Dude, be someone. Like, We're not done. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Our you, art is not finished. I insist upon it. <laughs> have you had any notable kind of onstage disasters or has it generally been plain sailing? Nigel's drums usually run away from him. Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. a panic attack on stage. That one gig, remember that? Really? Yeah, yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. Out of nowhere. on a a very nice guy who we became friends with through an earlier photo shoot. He was t- uh, he was photographing the gig, and all of a sudden it became the worst aspect of my entire life that there was a, bit of a camera being pointed at me. And after a song, I had to very guiltily go up to him and be like, "Listen, can you just not take some photos for a little while, please? Because I can't breathe." <laughs> <laughs> he was totally totally cool about it. Well, it seems but, uh, a reasonable request, to be fair. It's a very awkward thing to have yeah. on a stage yeah. while playing an yeah. instrument, and your instrument is thirty three percent of what's going on. Yeah. And thanks, brain. Thanks, brain, for just giving me a pan attack. Yeah. on stage. Yeah, at exactly seven forty five p.m. Like, oh, on yeah, that no, evening. Oh, just freak out right now. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's that's been my worst. It's been Can't remember my else. worst. It's been a lot of moving kicks for poor old Nigel. Yeah, no, that's a problem. A strap then, broke. That wasn't that bad. That was okay. Three lads held up my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the cab issue was Theo, wasn't it? That was Theo, yeah. The cab that just didn't work for a whole gig. Yeah. One time. Well, yeah, it kept coming in and out. I've been pretty lucky. Well, I mean, my d- time is coming. Let's not yeah. let's not tempt fate. Stop that! Touch, yeah. Yeah. Touch, yeah. touch that fake yeah. wood. Touch you were that here plywood. for the technical difficulties here. Earlier, yeah. So who knows? I've noticed that, Nigel. <laughs> that's you, your you, uh, great disaster. Hopefully, you do the most. Uh, you do the most rock and roll thing known to man. Though you play you play drums with your glasses on quite a bit. Which for, is, so that's dangerous, man. Yeah. Well, mm. he has very cool elastic bands to keep them on. Yeah, and I always <laughs> forget them. But <laughs> yeah, it's like it's good in a way because there's been a couple of times where I've actually on the upstroke went straight for the centre of my eye with a stick and if the glasses weren't there it would have been really really sore Yeah. Uh, so it's good in that way but in other ways it just you know like they fly off half the time and, and they're, they're nice glasses as well I mean like thank you, know, you. is yeah. that because they look like yours or? no not really I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of rocking <laughs> even more hipstery glasses than <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there Nige that your glasses are not quite as cool as Dave's glasses they're not no. much. Yeah. Yeah. Dave's glasses are so very, cool very Berlin Dave's glasses are so yeah, cool are right that on really really hot days he feels as though he has to wear a woolly hat that matches them Giorgio <laughs> <laughs> Armani can you explain your statement there Go well on. I explained last oh, week you Emporio turned up Armani, to Forbidden Fruit on the warmest day of the year in a woolly hat but he committed to the hat to I, had a bad, I had a bad hair day the was there a hair day. disaster going on the previous on? day yeah it was very humid and right. uh, my quiff couldn't really cope with the elements oh I see something just happened here Oh, Lizzie, Lizzie is now wearing the glasses. Lizzie, That's my t-shirt. We should probably Snapchat. She this. is now transformed into Dave Clark Kent. Back. No, it's like not. everything is clear, but I feel very high. I was going to say, do you feel really I high? Feel that really happens in high. other people's like, glasses whoa. quite a lot. They're really not like that. pill glasses. I yeah. feel like Robbie Keane. Are you coming up? Are you coming <laughs> yeah, up I'm yet? coming up. I'm like, really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've had I've had the misfortune. Thank you very much. I've had the misfortune of losing glasses over the years. So, oh, uh, yeah. And like really nice ones as well. And I just Have like you sat in them. No, uh, amazingly enough, I've never I've never really broken any, but I've lost some before. I'm pretty sure like I lost a pair before by like being really really drunk in a bar and like flirting with a girl and being like, here, wear these for a minute, <laughs> and then I walked away and like just <laughs> here, take my glasses. I had given my glasses to someone and I never saw them or the girl again. I give you uh, something that, to that remember me with. Counts, then. <laughs> yeah, that, you yeah. couldn't even yeah. see her when you tried to find her. Yeah, anyway, yeah, like, <laughs> in every known hot girl, account, so hot lady, <laughs> hot lady, hot I give my glasses to you, please. Uh, if you're listening, I'd like to have my glasses back. Thanks for it. It's probably in the workman's. Every damn day, probably does. Probably yeah. in the workman's. Probably in the workman's. <laughs> many, yeah. many's a tale of broken hearts out of workman's. I'd say absolutely broken hearts and broken glasses. <laughs> um, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some broken hearts this year. Not in the workman's though. I was uh, the often the off reference Macklemore gig that I attended. I saw a couple break up as I went to the bathroom. <gasps> oh God! Yeah, who, grim. Who buys tickets to Macklemore Deary and me. then break up. breaks up at Macklemore? Who buys tickets to Macklemore? Like what? Yeah, well, we had the best bloody night of the year. <laughs> I was and we, didn't, and we didn't pay, didn't pay for it either. So I was like, reading yeah. your tweets through that whole thing, and, and like it was so funny how cynical you were at the start, <laughs> and then like at the middle, it's like, well, hang on a second, this is actually not the worst thing I've been at. Why do you and think that, that happened? Because you I were cop- feeling enamored, I copious <laughs> amounts of alcohol. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Maybe you just your well your outlook changed and you enjoyed yourself. To be fair, it was a genuinely fun experience. Yeah, my friend Macklemore won you over. Like he did, kind of. Uh, I don't want to say I wouldn't go to I wouldn't have gone to all three nights or anything. You wouldn't go because you're not mental. No, 
<laughs> he, did, he, did, he did three nights Jeez. in the three arena. My friends uh, wow. won like a VIP experience off a radio station for Maroon Five, oh. and so they and so Ouch. one of them goes to the was like, "Come on, do you want to go?" And they're like, "Oh, who's it for? Maroon Five? Like, no, like I'm not going. Like, and they're like, "Come on, VIP experience, get loads of drink for free, be great." And I'm like, "Fuck it, sure, be great crack." So they go in and um, they go up to the Blue Lounge, and all it is, you get to pay extra for beer. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. You get to act like you're rich. And so they're like, all oh, right, okay, we'll go out and try and get some nagons. So they went out and the security guard was like, why are you going out? He's like, um, I have to get a ticket off my mum. She dropped me here and I have to do this. And they're like, you're going to get a drink, aren't you? They're like, no, 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 I couldn't drink at all. Oh, I love Maroon 5. They're brilliant. But, uh, that is a horrific VIP experience. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, a bit like, you know, that's an <laughs> anti-VIP yeah. experience. It's well, a trap. No, it's not, because yeah. I, I guess that is what VIPs do. They pay more for alcohol. So, you, But it's a bit like having someone say, like, you know, would you like a VIP experience? Here's a larger tax bill than what you really yeah. owe. Yeah, yeah. like the... That was like, you've got a high-paying job. And to listen to a shit band. Yeah. Like, the very thing of entering a competition is that you probably don't have enough money to, to be a VIP to begin with. So they know what they're doing. They yeah. really know. In, in terms of kind of like, you know, like uh, any kind of VIP treatment, do you guys have anything on your rider? I know uh, Funeral Suits, our guest last week, have a framed photograph of Michael Bolton that they put onto every rider, and occasionally it does happen. They find it in their dressing room. Wow. Is the reason for doing that the whole Foo Fighters thing so they know that you've read the whole that rider? Not and then just for a love of Michael okay. Bolton. Like, yeah. Can you imagine being that poor intern who's like in the last hour of their stressy day before the festival starts mm-hmm. and then their last thing in their list is like I have to get a framed fucking picture of Michael Bolton oh Jesus Bolton. the fucking Michael Bolton picture I oh, forgot it there's no oh, printers yeah. oh god where oh, god. am I going to get a frame and I fucking I think it's meant to be like out of focus as well like a real like oh, wow. 82 like era oh, shot oh wow mm. Nigel did up our rider didn't you I, yeah and then we which I forgot to look at what's on it tell us and then we didn't finish what do we get? it or? there was a, a mix of cider Guinness uh, lager, uh, gin and whiskey, mm. uh, fruit bowl, a variety of crisps, peanuts. Hummus? Uh, I actually did ask for hummus, actually. Carrots? <laughs> no carrots. Crackers, though. So. I don't ask. We're not uh, doing it. Unsalted. Nice, we're not doing bunions, though. Um, sh- I don't know. I could actually read. I have it with me. Like, <laughs> Get it. Uh, the, actually uh, read the, the well, fruit so bowl intrigues me. Is it's this a, like. It's a particularly no, friendly There's no fruit in it. Thing. Right. Just, it's just, just a statement. <laughs> it's a decorative statement. It's, yeah. it's yeah. to put in the cider and Guinness. And, and whiskey, whiskey and gin. It makes yeah. a sort of big and, mad snake bite donkey's bollocks yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you just yeah. put your face in yeah. and breathe. It was just standard. It's like a night in the <laughs> Water, yeah. towels. Guys, did you not know this? Like, normal shit look. Yeah. So yeah. Like, that is pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you don't, okay, yeah. you, you don't take the piss? No, we take pisses after we drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what happens. I just think it's always good to think of that in turn. That has to do that job. That'd be a great job, though. It's a very yeah. conscientious way to look at being. Yeah, it's a very considerate writer. Yeah, yeah. Of us and them. that will change, though. The more banger we do over the next couple of years. Yeah, bangers and mash. Yeah. How do you like them? Occasion. I never had occasion banger. <laughs> I saw a lady outside uh, a shop in Stony Batter sitting on the ledge, eating raw sausages. Jesus Christ! What? <laughs> God! Is that even safe? Raw no, it's sausages. Not, no. Yes, it is. What? what? No, it's not. It's cured meat. What? It's not even fucking meat. No, no, no. no not that. Not no, she must have been eating like treats. Not like a pepperoni. Like no, you can you can eat raw sausage. It's the thing. You can eat raw sausages. 
like like fresh out of a pack. There's no, like there's no, there's no, there's no bugs in it. Like it's completely bleached. It's completely everything. Like it's, and I think it's cured. I like it's like ra- you eat rashers as well because they're cured. I can feel my stomach turning over here. This is yeah, it was like this is all it's wrong. like a yeah. s- smudgy. You can smush them out of the the casing and this is distressing. It. Yeah, <laughs> take it. Out. It was really I horrible. Want this to stop, Dave. Yeah. stop. <laughs> but like <laughs> when you saw her, all you could you could just smell technical difficulties. <laughs> <come back. laughs> Yeah, trauma sawdust and I once heard a story uh, on a podcast I listened to We Hate Movies which is an excellent podcast not as good as this one but you know still yeah. pretty good it's a serious name uh, it's We Hate Movies yeah um, they said that like in New York one they went to see a film one day and he said there was an, an old lady sitting a couple of seats down from him and he, he was making this kind of crinkling sound and he was like what the fuck is that like and eventually like, you know, like he looked over and out of this tinfoil she was eating a raw fish like like she was a cartoon cat oh god mm. <laughs> like, he was just he was so Just he's so it. disgusted as it goes on like at one point he paused then he just goes a fish <laughs> yeah he said it was uh, horrific yeah don't blame him and yet that's safe probably Apparently. yeah I guess well particular cuts yeah particular cuts I don't think like that's a done thing in taking sushi, a mackerel out of the sea and eating it well, I think it is actually. If it's fresh, I feel if physi- it's fresh, I feel physically ill now. The, no, <laughs> yes. the people who live the longest in the whole wide world live on raw fish and veg. Raw fish is delicious, though. Really? I've yeah, never, sushi. I've, like I've, I've never, I've never had raw sushi. salmon. Is pretty nice. I'm not a huge fan of sushi, to be honest. I like the well, veg sushi, but um, fish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but, right. but, it but it takes so away. But it doesn't smell like raw oh, really? fish. Doesn't smell. It's like. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't have an intense flavor. It's just kind of a nice nice texture. It's it does not like flaky. It's like kind of meaty. It's nice. Well, I'm glad we got through all of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cooking with Bitrocken. Raw. <laughs> That's indeed, what indeed, yeah, that will be our next segment. I'm sure no encore in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I won't be in any kitchen that has that kind of crazy raw food situation going on. Maybe okay. the you know maybe some sushi. Although it, it intimidates me. Maybe we can do like a Hell's Kitchen. That'd be perfect. Yeah. I'd love that. That'd be good. Yeah. And we, <laughs> you, you can be Gordon. I think I'm mellowing uh, now. <laughs> I, I think I'm too mellow these days to be Gordon. Like, I'm angry on Twitter, but it's generally just, you know, it's text. Like, I'm not actually, I don't think I could shout at people anymore. Right. There's okay. no caps. There's no caps. Yeah. Next, yeah. next in line would definitely be Nigel to be Gordon. I think Nigel would be the most organized chef of all time. No, but you'd be more awkward Gordon Ramsay that wouldn't say anything and you're like, what's wrong, Nigel? Nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just that, do your fucking job. Is that Maybe. how you're going to cook the, yeah. cook the steak? Gonna, is it? No, 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 it's fine. Oh, oh. Okay. And then he would like sneakily do it behind your back. Interesting. Like, oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah no, good yeah. job. Good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> so when you guys are planning your two weeks away uh, to work together in close proximity, uh, you won't be in charge of the food, Nigel, like, I'm guessing? Sounds like there's a lot of pent up emotion there in that kitchen, perhaps. Uh, I, I don't know. know. No. Who did the? You did a lot I of the cooking, the actually, didn't you? I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to everything. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. I do a curry. Yeah. No. I'm not, I'm like I'm happy when people cook, but if there's like people are like, uh, I'm like, I'm gonna whip you up something delicious. <laughs> I'm just desperate to please. So uh, turn into a 1940s Mickey's Southern Mickey housewife ah, <laughs> <laughs> or Mickey Mouse in the in the kitchen. Take off your pants. On the uh, on the on, on the subject of music, though, because you know, you are primarily banned. I know it's a question that can be a bit of a shit one, but I'm just people will ask, and I kind of feel like you know, what kind of dress would we be? Is there any 
talk or thought of uh, an album at this point? I know you've just released a new single, but like, is this like a thing where you're like, look, you know, we'll do it whenever, whenever you want to do it? Or is anybody even kind of coming at you and being like, hey guys, you know, you really should be doing this at this point in your career? Like, is that kind of... No one knows. Sorry, by the way. This is... The, no, it's a, good, it's a legitimate question. Like, we've had... Like, we, we've seen how the the track-by-track track thing works. It worked pretty well for us last year. Um, and it, it certainly seems that people are consuming music more not as bodies of work, but of just songs. Uh, and that's what a lot of people in the industry have been saying when we've gone and visited certain seminars and met with people and just had point conversations with people about it who were at, uh, further along in their career than we are. And they all kind of say, oh, yeah, generally the album is dead. People don't consume music that way. And then next thing, you know, it's just completely different in another part of the industry. Or someone releases an album and it's completely full of bangers and gets amazingly received. Yeah. And you're kind of going, I think they've done it. Yeah. I think it would be nice to save it when we're in a position that we can make... I don't want to scratch together an album. Yeah, totally. We could we could probably do something like an EP or something. Mm-hmm. But I think with an album, like, I think we all kind of want to... You know, when we want to write an album, I don't want to collect songs and try and try and scrape the money to get it done. And I, I'd love to be in the position, if we're going to make a body of work, make it in one sitting and actually one develop it. Sitting as well. And, like, develop it over a while. Like, yeah, you know. so it's like a snapshot of it. A period of time, yeah. 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 Whereas, like right now, if we were to put out an album now, it would be of three years of stuff, um, and I don't know if it would flow together over the course of ten tracks. It'd be so different. Mm-hmm. No, you'd need we'd need to go away for a while, write it and record it. So I've yeah, I really like you need. I think it, my favorite albums are always the ones that are a concept, uh, a theme, and they're always one body of things. So I think we're not there yet in terms of production so it's a double album that's what i'm hearing <laughs> it's gonna be the box set yeah it's got a double album Classics. with uh, rarities b-sides and a uh, cassette tapes obviously. yeah including bumpus perfect have yeah. you heard bumpus yet i've or? heard of it i think you mentioned yeah. it before it was, yeah, we uh, were big fans of our own work <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you elaborate on this uh well we um we played a gig there about two months ago and uh it was uh sonic whispers that music town put on and uh it's really good um they do a thing where one there's three bands and in front of a seated audience and it was hosted by a bandman and so one band has a piece of music they play it and then the crowd has to tell the next band what it is and so then you know then the next band play and then things so it's kind of like chinese whispers Mm. but with music okay and so during that time we were like oh sure we'll play around with improvisation and then Bumpus emerged when unfortunately some people suffer from Bumpusing is when you don't know when you go to the toilet and you listen to someone you're like are they pissing out of their front bum or the back bum it's very you know difficult <laughs> we wrote a song about it that's it this is the most explicit song <laughs> Lizzie's now in tears speaking of her Bumpus experience it's all of 30 seconds as well I think isn't it Yeah, 30 seconds and Thirty seconds of fury. <laughs> it's like Jean Claude Van Damme in a song. The most spontaneous Cockney. jam. Cockney. Yeah. Jean yeah, the most spontaneous jam the band has ever had, coupled with me messing with Zoom settings on my camera, so it came out like a really bad home video. And it's clearly going to be the next single. Well, yeah. a lot of people are asking. Everyone's just, just like, "Why don't you play?" It, so. People is like, "You need to release Bumpus." And we're like, "We will release it, but not until 
we have a toilet. Not until the world is ready. <laughs> it's, a good one. it's a good one for Weird Al Yankovic. We could maybe sell it yeah. to him or something. I've just realised one of the consultants in work looks exactly like him, except for the hair. Maybe it is him. He's really nice, so maybe. Is he is, is weird? I, I, yeah, uh, weird Al Yankovic nice. I haven't really. No, no, the the consultant. But I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really followed his career. Um, I haven't it's one of those names you always know. Oh, he's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the joke songs. Yeah, oh, the joke songs. Yeah, real songs. He doesn't age. Okay, well, listen. Um, before we wrap it up, okay. the most pertinent question of the day is: uh, Are you guys Team Taylor Swift or Team Kim Kardashian? That's the big feud in music these days. Oh. I haven't heard about that. I thought it was like Katy Perry. And Have they been fighting or something? There's been yeah. lots of fighting. Taylor Swift is like fighting with everyone. Yes, and Cullum is a big Taylor Swift fan. Oh. Hence, he looks very upset right now. Team Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what happened in like way Taylor Swift, so maybe her. It's to do with Kanye West, of course. Okay. And kind of a song he wrote, which he mentioned Taylor Swift disparagingly. Okay. And then oh. they have a fallout and there's a new interview and there's a new this and it's all, yeah, it's just going to keep ticking over and keep them in the public eye. Was it another iteration of the I'm going to let you finish uh, it was situation. Uh, it was oh, yeah. yeah. Remember that? that? that yeah. was a terrible old thing. Was that Taylor? <laughs> that was, well? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm ah. here. Right, Team Taylor for me. Team no, Taylor. no. I don't like Taylor Swift. I don't like Kanye West. But I'm sorry, unless we get what? famous and meet Taylor Swift. I don't like Kanye West either, but I like yeah. his music. Yeah, his music is very good. But yes. anyone who tweets about them, themselves and speaks in the third person constantly uh, and also refers to themselves as the Messiah. While also asking for money to make pants. Oh, yeah. I really, really have to stop doing that. I'm yeah, sorry. absolutely. <laughs> see you later. I will yeah. wrap it up. Get in the sea. I'll wrap it up. Anyway, we'll wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Uh, thank you for, for surviving our technical difficulties and getting through. Sorry, you didn't give much information from the man. We just talked. That's totally fine. That's, That's what this fine. podcast is. It's a, <laughs> it, 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 it's a public forum. It's a private forum it's that goes out to the public. I think it's head stuff. There you go. <laughs> for she that, we formally apologize. Thank you guys. <laughs> we shall be right back after this from Garbage. That was magnetized by Garbage. The album is called Strange Little Birds. Their first in four years, which comes after their first in quite a while. Their sixth album altogether. 
that's my Wikipedia synopsis out of the way. Cullum, talk to me about Garbage. Talk to me about your, your history with this band, because they've been around for quite a while. Shirley Manson is one of those figures which, who I should say, you know, has been like, you know, kind of a something of an icon, so to speak, uh, sure. for a lot of people. And one of those bands that just kind of keeps on going. And yeah, I mean, like, I'm I'm very curious to know what your what your kind of background is. Well, obviously, here. I had a significant hiatus. Um, I guess I, you know, Garbage was just one of those bands that were there when I was growing up, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago where I don't know. I think I threw Cherry Lips on at a party, and a friend of mine was like, "Oh no, but I prefer this," and played. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was when I grew up. And then, you know, you play Only When It Rains and Stupid Girl and a few more, and you're just like, Jesus, these guys have bangers, like. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously then you get more familiar with Butch Vig and his production duties outside of Garbage, and you're just like, okay, yeah, well, that's where the that's where the pedigree is, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you, can, you can see why uh, they do what they do so well. I find it interesting that a band can release an album like this, which sounds so indebted to their past sound. And yet, it's still pretty fresh in a way. Um, like, I mean, like, I don't think this album reinvents the wheel or anything close to it. And it's clearly like steeped in that '90s garbage sound that we would have grown up with. And again, as you say, they were one of those bands that was always there. They were never a band that I kind of fell head over heels for, and there was no real reason for that. I always liked what I heard, but for some reason, like, I did, you know, I, I was just never blown away by them on an album by album basis, or even to follow their kind of path uh, as as a hardcore fan. But I've always liked this stuff. I mean, you mentioned, you rattled off a list of songs there, which I'm nodding my head. They're all great. I'm actually a huge fan of their James Bond theme, uh, mm-hmm. The World Is Not Enough. I think that's a one of the one of the finer themes and it's kind of unheralded. And it kind of sums them up in a way because I kind of feel like they're unheralded, so to speak. I mean, yeah, they are very beloved. They're very well known. Shirley Manson's very well respected, as she should be. And yet, there's always the nagging sense that garbage never quite hit that A-level tier. Yeah, to a certain extent, you're right. And I think if I remember correctly, there was just kind of bad timing that they'd, you know, something of a dud album, relative dud album, kind of at the moment where they should really have been taking off. Um, This album, obviously, is not going to shoot them into that stratosphere now. But I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's really strong. And I, but also, yeah, I don't think it's meant to. I, I don't they they care. Uh, I read an interview that she did with Hot Press there in the last issue. And I think she lives with her, uh, like, her husband. And, like, they, they kind of built a studio together or something. And I think it's a case of, you know, she'll put out an album, she'll get the lads together whenever she wants to, really. And But the yeah, material and, and, here... And again, like, Butch Vig isn't going to, you know, kind of be dumping his Foo Fighters jobs or something <laughs> like that. No, of course not. For the sake of a, of a new garbage album, if they're just going to be going through the motions. At the same time, though, it, it doesn't sound like they're going through the motions here at all. Um, they sound like they kind of came to play. And I think, you know, the album kind of starts in earnest. It starts with a couple of tracks that are, I mean, like, sometimes is the opener and it's quite moody. Uh, it's very, I, I always like when an album kind of, like, takes its time to open. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, grabs your attention. I know that sounds like a contradiction straight away there. But, like, this is not a song that comes racing out the blocks. The song that, that follows it, Empty, does that. And that's a bit almost too throwbacky for me. It's a bit almost too, like, the chorus is very, like, you could hear that in 995, no problem. I think sometimes it's the more interesting one. But at the same time, it does kind of set you off on a bit of a clip. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I must say I think it's a banger. It's a lead single, and it's a lead single for a reason. Um, and yeah, it, that clip doesn't really slow until halfway through the album, and even though Our Love Was Doomed, which I thought was, A, a great song, um, but B, I thought it was going to signal a bit of a turning point for the record. Now, in the end, it doesn't. It's followed by that song that you just heard, Magnetize, mm-hmm. in which the tempo kind of comes back up again. And... I don't know. I mean, like, by no means does it take away from the album, but 
I felt as though there might have been some fertile ground that could have been explored with a slower tempo, with something a little bit different, I guess. And uh, they clearly obviously just didn't take that route. True. And I guess in that regards, you kind of almost hope that that song, even though Our Love is Doomed, will be a closer because it actually works as a very natural counterpoint to the opening track. That said, I love that back-to-back of that and then Magnetize. I think they're the two strongest songs on the record for me. I think even though Our Love is Doomed is fucking brilliant. I think I think it's it's it, it's so simple. It's just one of those songs that you just got to keep it slow and soft and then you bring in a little bit of production kind of nuance and you bring in the drums and it's not no one's shouting, no one's fighting for space, but it's just put together so simply and so beautifully well done. Um, that kind of thread, as we say, gets picked back up quite pacey with Magnetized. But then you move into tracks like, you know, We Never Tell and So We Can Stay Alive. And that four-track run, I think, is particularly impressive. Uh, the closing track, Amends, I think, is, is very, very strong. Yeah, I, I think this is... Like, maybe it's because I went into it with a real, like, well, I don't, I don't know what to expect from a garbage album in 2016, and, but I'm certainly not expecting for it to be this blow-away thing. Yeah, there's there's enough pedigree here. There's enough skill. There's enough songwriting. The production is excellent, and yeah, Shirley Manson sounds quite engaged. Yeah, this is a this is a solid middle of the year record for me, and I don't mean that in any kind of you know throwaway way. I I I think it's it it could be a sleeper album for the rest of the year. Yeah, and I think what's more, yeah, it has just enough kind of in the form of a track like even though I love is doomed, it has just enough to kind of keep you on your toes. I think there is a risk that on a record like this you could kind of four tracks in have a pretty good handle on what you're going to get next i think we probably had that last week with minor victories when you probably felt okay i i hear it now i get it now and i can probably stop listening without (laughs) being in too much risk of missing something sure whereas here yeah there's something that just draws you in and keeps you keeps you engaged and uh yeah it's it's pretty impressive record yeah, um, again, like it's sometimes an album doesn't need to be revelatory. I think, you know, to make that kind of Minor Victories comparison there, obviously they're a band starting out, so you kind of want a bit more. Mm-hmm. With Garbage, they have an established sound. You know what you're getting. There are many bands where that's the case. Some bands more than others are more kind of play it safe and by the book. And I think if someone kind of gets to that stage of their career and they just settle on what they are, but they do it with a certain amount of panache, then that can be enough for me. Nine Inch Nails, for example. I mean, like, you know, there's there's some production flourishes here which aren't dissimilar to the type of thing that Trent Reznor goes in for. And there's supposed to be a new Nine Inch Nails record this year. I hope it does come out. And I know I'm not going to be listening to anything completely new, but I know that I'm going to be completely entranced by every second of it because I, I love that sound. Mm. And I do love uh, Garbage's kind of pop industrial flavouring. And this one, yeah, this is definitely an album that I will absolutely be returning to, I think, quite a bit. Cool. Do you want to give it a score? Yeah, um, 7 out of 10 for me, um, which again, ratings, it's that weird kind of thing where like you can give a 7 to an album and it, it, one 7 is better than another. Yeah. Um, so this would be that case. This is where like I understand Pitchfork's rating system coming into play and I'd probably go like 7.2 or whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, more than the rating, strong recommend. It's about 55 minutes long. Doesn't really feel like it. No, and not. the high points are particularly high. Yeah, I am with you. Yeah, that kind of, seven away goals as it were um yeah it's a good record and like you say for the, for them to still be producing something that you can reasonably describe as fresh if not quite groundbreaking is um is certainly commendable and yeah it's a record that i'll be coming back to and a couple of tracks that yeah will make it onto my next uh, garbage hit singles battle with mark ryan is that a regular thing that happens? You know what? More than you would believe. Apparently so. Yeah. I wasn't aware of this. It's a thing. I hope it doesn't get too heated. Gonna have to go to Cork sometime. 
I've been there. Place. I've been to Cork. It's okay. <laughs> like, it's not just okay. I'd go again. Let's not get into it if we don't have time. Okay, well, before we wrap up for this week, um, we will be looking at kind of a, an albums of the half year, songs of the half year thing, probably on the podcast pretty soon. Not to kind of jump ahead or anything, but just out of curiosity, even if you don't want to say what it is, do you have a, this is definitely my song of the year, this is definitely my album of the year, or even like a, well, these are the ones that would absolutely be in that contention in a very, very small grouping. Yeah, I, like, I, I have a handful of albums. Without even having to really think about it. Like, are you like, yeah, well, that one's there, that one's there. Pretty this. pretty close, yeah. The one thing that I must admit that I haven't done is, is go back to one or two, especially over the past two months that apparently I've missed. Okay. Um, so, yeah, before that show, there might be a little bit of revision needed, but certainly of the albums that I've listened to and that I've heard in the year, yeah, I think there are probably three, maybe four that stand a little bit above the crowd. Okay, well, we'll keep that for the future episode. We don't want to give away too much. We'll also have Craig back in. We'll let him back in for that episode and that episode alone, I think. Yeah, we'll give him a pass. Yeah, maybe like at the end of the year as well, we'll bring him back in. See if he's grown as a person and if he's ready to kind of, you know, apologize and be a better human being. But, you know, I wouldn't hold that hope. Um, okay, well, look, before we wrap up, once again, you know, we'd like to kind of push the other podcasts we have on the network. Um, particularly exciting... Uh, Saul Williams is the guest on the Headstuff podcast, current episode. Alan sat down with him, moderated a panel. Uh, Saul Williams, I think, is just one of the most interesting artists out there. So to to have him on is a tremendous coup and a tremendous boon. You should listen to that man's words right away. Uh, we also have a, a kind of a good range of pods for the discerning listener on the Headstuff podcast network. There's Juvenalia, a twice-monthly um, kind of show in which Alan McGuire sits down with people and talks to them about a movie or a book or an event from their childhood that has kind of impacted them in some way in their adult life and I'm sure even though myself and Alan don't get along terribly well we'll sit down together over some microphones and we'll hash it out in a future episode of that or maybe we'll get them on here, who knows uh, Garrard Farrelly hosts the Fascinated Podcast also on the network, very interesting he's had some he's had some interesting guests man he's had Adele from Bewitched, he's had Naomi Coleman remember her? Mm-hmm. Like, right. he tracks these people down and he puts questions to them like a real journalist you know, like you are, not like, yeah. not like me there's the Alison Spilt Show, which is a live kind of recorded in the Workman's Graham Norton-esque kind of, you know, variety error. So yeah, they're all there. They're all they're all on the Heads of Podcast Network. All of them are available on iTunes. Uh, we'd like for you to subscribe to them, leave ratings and reviews. Good ones, preferably, you know. Can understand the all bit of negative feedback, but let's let's stamp that out. And uh, yeah, so subscribe, listen, let us know what you think. Uh, on the No Encore podcast here, of course, we'd like to pride ourselves on having homegrown music on the show. And today's exit music is no exception. Uh, the man's name is Video Blue. It's not his given name, but that's the name that we're going to give to you. And he has a Headstuff connection as well. He actually provides the music intro and outro for the Headstuff podcast itself, the original kind of progenitor of this whole thing. So this is Disco Nap by Video Blue. My name is Dave Hanready. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Cullum. No matter. <laughs> I almost wasn't going to. But I don't know if I deserve it. Now you do. My name is Dave Hanready. There will be no encore. This has been no encore. We will return next week. And this is Video Blue with Disco Nap. Jelly legs, needle drop. Rise this from my cold hands. Sing for miles and pull.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Just a quick... Uh... Oh. <laughs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com